you're listening to the Beautiful Life Podcast, where we believe this is no ordinary life, and every day an opportunity to discover more of God's heart, pursue His manifest presence, and make a difference by no ordinary means. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Debbie Desmond. For more information and other resources, visit www.noordinarylife.co.za. thank you for your love for us. We thank you for each other, just your expression of love through each person here. Father, we ask that you would come speak to our hearts. Father, we just acknowledge that truly the clearer we see you, the clearer we will see ourselves, and the clearer we will see life around us. The clearer we see you, the greater your, the greater will be our freedom to be truly all who you've created us to be and to live in your fulfillment, your presence, and to have life and life to the full. That's what you are, Lord. You are life and life to the full. And we, you are the way, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life, Lord. And that's our desire to, for our lives to be directed into your way, into your life, into your truth. And we just realize, Father, that we are dependent on you to do it in us. So we ask that your spirit would come and open our eyes that we would see you more clearly. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. We loose your angels now to minister heaven on earth to us. Open our eyes to see your word and your truth. And Lord, make it personal to each of our hearts. Personally speak to each of us today. In Jesus' name we ask this. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've been talking about um, the the about the love of God, about love. God is love. We've been talking about this, and we felt like the Lord's wanting us to emphasize this. And and in a sense, you know, because of love, and, you know, we say love for everything. You know, I love ice cream. I love, you know, it's, it's, it's something that, in some senses, we can just get blasé about, familiar with, and we don't actually think about it and how it applies to our life, how to live in the way of love, etc. So we really want to just focus these couple of weeks on love so that it re- that so that scripture like Paul says that you may be rooted and grounded, established in love, that we can really do that in a deliberate and intentional way. So I'm just going to start with recapping a couple of things I said a week or two ago. Um, Firstly, I I love 1 Corinthians 12 to 1 Corinthians 14. The whole place is just all about love. It's about the power of God, but it's all wrapped up in, in what is the greatest. It talks about love being the greatest and, and the, 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 the eternal nature of love in these, in this little um, sort of envelope in uh, 1 Corinthians. Um, And it starts in 1 Corinthians 12, and it calls love the most excellent way. And I just want to remind you of that. Like any other way is not excellent. This this is the top way. This is the the way you live your life. Love is the most excellent way. Another translation says a superior way to live that is beyond comparison. Another translation is a a way of life that is best of all. So living in love is the best life that you will ever have. It is the best life. Living a life and the way of love is going to be the best you will ever get. You will not get better. It might seem temporarily like that, but like 1 Corinthians 13, in the middle of there, it says, like, if you don't have love, you can have all these great, amazing experiences, feats. You can do all these great things, but if you don't have love, you are empty. You are nothing. You, your life is meaningless. That's how you'll end up. 
So let's just emphasize again for all of us. I just want to like, for me, I'm emphasizing it as well. Love is the most excellent way to live your life. It's the superior way. And then it ends with 1 Corinthians 14 saying, eagerly pursue love. Eagerly pursue love. Another translation says, let love be your highest goal. And again, I'm asking you the question, like I asked the last time, is it? When you wake up in the morning, do you say, love is my highest goal today? It is my top pursuit. Because that's what God wants for us. And I want to tell you, you will not experience a higher life than that. You are deceived otherwise. Because at the end of your life, when you get to the end of your life, you will realize that all those other things that you pursued above love actually are empty. So we should all be waking up in the morning and say, top priority today is love. Top priority today is love. Whether you're going into the office, whether you're going into the schoolroom, whether you're at home, wherever you are, my top priority is love. 1 John 4, 19 says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. And I just want to, we looked at um, Ephesians 3, verse um, 17, and I just want to read it again to recap um, just to paraphrase a little bit for myself, Paul prays this apostolic prayer. He says, may you be rooted deep in love, rooted deep in love, and may you be established securely on love. That your life is rooted in love and established on love. And may you have the supernatural power to grasp how high, high, wide, long, high, deep is the love of Christ. And this love that actually surpasses all knowledge. So he wants to, you need supernatural power to understand the love of God because it surpasses knowledge, natural knowledge. You can't comprehend it without God's supernatural power. And then it says, and then he goes on to say, in fact, that you would go beyond mere knowledge, but truly experience it in all its dimensions and thus be filled with the fullness of God. That's the difference. See, if you experience God loves, you're going to be full. If you don't have love, you're going to be empty. Love, full, meaningful. No love, empty, a clanging gong. So, and we looked about, say, we want to have a culture of love in our lives. A culture of love in our lives. And what does that look at? You know, we said, okay, well, maybe to look at what it is not. What is it not? It's a life that is self-centered, where you are the center of your world. Everything revolves around you, and you feel that everything depends on you. You constantly, when you live like that, you self-centered, you constantly are like a vacuum cleaner. You are drawing everything to yourself. Everything that can make you stronger, happier, more powerful, you want it. Okay? And what happens is the result is striving and fear that are driving forces in your life. And we become, we start competing for the limited resources that we see are out there. And we worry that someone else might get them. It's all about me. And I have to look after myself. And I need to make myself better, stronger, so that I will be happy. I'll be strong. And so I'm looking for that wherever I go. And it lands up that I'm competing with everyone. I'm anxious. I'm worried. Does that sound familiar? That's a worldly system. But what is love? The Bible says here that we've just read in Ephesians 3, it says that we are rooted in and grounded, established, firm on love. You know, I think of that rooted in. That's the culture that our life, our cult, the culture of our lives, it's rooted in God's love. We are so 
secure and filled with the love of God and we trust him because we know he loves us and we know he's got a good plan for us. He's so full of his love and there's such an overflow that we don't have to, we don't have to be focused on ourselves because we're full, because God's looking after us, because God loves us, because of what God has already done for us and does for us every single day and so we are absolutely secure in God's love. We, we stand firm in God's love and therefore we have this overflow. We're not worried about, am I going to be strong? Will I be happy? Because we trust God to provide that for us. And as we receive his love, we have an overflow to get to other people. Then I can help people. I can love people all around me. I can be generous. This is a culture of love. The Bible says because he first loved us, we can love others, right? And that's the love, that we are, we are not anxious and fearful, but we are grounded and rooted in God's love, and we're secure. And we can go through confident, and we can give, because there's, we, we see God in his limitless supply for, for us and our needs. So what it comes back down to is when we think at the base of whether we have a culture of love or a culture, um, as the world says, of self, it's like, who do you trust? That's what it comes down to, whether you're going to live a life of love or not. Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust yourself? Are you going to trust God or are you going to trust yourself in your life, for your life, Right? So that's my recap, and I want to recap that because those are all such good points. And I, every time I say them, I say, yes, <laughs> get it down in there, you know. <laughs> but what I want to look at today is like, what is love actually? Because in our, we use love for everything. Like, I love strawberry ice cream, you know. And on, on this side, I love strawberry ice cream. On this side, I love you and I'll die for you. And I, and I think you, you, you won't die for strawberry ice cream. But there's a sense, I will, I will die for this person. Now, I mean, think about that. That is, when I say I love something, that, that's computing. Because what I will do for strawberry ice cream is very different from what I will do for one of my children. Not even, ten roof ice cream won't even get that much from me, okay? Right? So, you know, what is love then? What is love? Because we can throw this word out, but what is it? If we can say, I love, um, you know, I love this weather, and then go to, you know, I, I'm willing to die for this cause, okay? Um, and when you love, say, strawberry ice cream, when you love something, it usually produces an action. You eat it. If I love strawberry ice cream, I will eat strawberry ice cream, unless there is something that I love more. <laughs> Maybe it's chocolate. So, you know, if it's like, oh, I love ice cream. I'm, eating my, I'm just about to eat my strawberry ice cream, and someone offers me chocolate instead, I might say, I love strawberry ice cream, but I love chocolate more. Okay? Um, and so then, I, so... I, I, I love myself, okay? I love myself. And as a result of loving myself, there's some actions I take. I look after myself. I eat. I pamper myself. I love myself. So I do all these things. And I really value my life so I don't put myself in dangerous positions. You know, I preserve my life. However, if one of my children was in a situation, suddenly, I am not... I love that life rather than this life more. You see, I've got a higher something, a higher value. Yeah. And therefore, as a result, I then will do something that I would not normally do. Do you understand? So, love actually is a hierarchy. That didn't want to come to me. Love is a hierarchy. Okay? Love is all about value. Yeah. In art, you have different values. 
in art. And no matter what color, even different colors have value, it's the depth. Can you see this is high, this is like naught, and it comes all the way down to 10, which is completely black. So white is naught, 10 is the black here. And these, what is in art, what they all call these different values. So if I, wow, if I <laughs> love ice cream here, but I love cup, um, coffee here, you know, or you know, maybe I love my children, God, whatever here. Do you understand what I'm saying? Love. So love is all about value. You know, the, the Bible says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. Whatever you value, you will love. Um, the Bible says, don't love the world. Um, so the question here, when we're talking about love, is what is your value system? Because when you're talking about what you love in your life, it's going to all come down to what you value. Whether you know you should value that um, or not. So you, you can say, I should value that more. But what's in your heart? You know, what do you value? Because that's where your heart will be. Not necessarily where your head will be. It's where your heart will be. And let me tell you, your heart rules you. That's why the Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. Because from it is, it, because it is the wellspring of life. It is the wellspring of life. What is truly valuable? Because I don't know about you, like we've been talking about, sometimes, you know, I don't know if you, you, you can go along and think, well, this, this is really going to bring me joy, satisfaction, meaningfulness in my life, and you pursue it, only to find that actually it, it doesn't. Yeah. And that's why God has given us his word. In fact, Nigel spoke on the Ten Commandments last week. And, um, and he mentioned, he said, the first four commandments were about God and the last six commandments were about people. Okay? And what is the first commandment? The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. He's on the, the black scale. I mean, he's saying, like, basically what's that saying is, I am the most valuable thing ever. Yeah. God is, he is the blackest of the black in the value system in art, okay? He is valuable. You should value God above all else. He is not just, oh, for just some people. He truly, yeah. as in truly, is the most valuable, the highest value. And then, once he, like, remember Nigel went through the first four, the, 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 the next one is people. And it goes on to show that people are the next valuable thing to God. Okay? God, people. What sums up the, ten, uh, what did Jesus say sums up the commands of God? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. In other words, Value him above all things. Yeah. And love your neighbor as you love yourself. In other words, that's your next valuable thing in your life. This is what God's word is telling us. Um, I want to just quickly, um, and I, I've, I know I've, met, I've done a sermon on this before. I just want to recap. So often as Christians, because of religion, when we... Look at God's commandments, the Ten Commandments, his, his instruction. Often we just say, well, that's just the law. And it is the law. But remember, Jesus came to fulfill the law. But what I want to say is that we all make laws in our lives because to protect what's valuable. It's in every society and in all of our lives. And we get that from God. Every command and instruction of God is there to protect something valuable. Jesus said, the Sabbath is there for man, not man for the Sabbath. When he was saying that, he was saying, it's to protect something for man. It's not there just, it doesn't make arbitrary rules for us to follow. It's not, 
You know, I've given you these rules, you need to do them, and when you do them, you're going to get my approval. Okay, that's, that's religion. There's all these commands and the truth and everything in the Word of God. If you obey my word, then you're going to be in my good books and I'm going to bless you. No, that's not how it works. God's given those things because, I'll tell you why, He values us. He values us and He values you having a wonderful and blessed life. As a result of that, he has given us his value system. And he's showed us how to value those things. So what we do is we look at his word and we see what is valuable. And because we see that is truly valuable, we do what he says to protect what's valuable. And he wants us to do what's valuable so that we will have the good life that he has for us. Not only does he want us to do that, he he actually died on the cross so that we could have his life, the Holy Spirit inside of us, who will give us the power to live that life. That's just on the thing. So what I'm saying is we make rules every day. If you have a peanut allergy, you will make a rule, a law for yourself. My law, if I've got a peanut allergy, do not eat peanuts. Why? Because I value my life. And so I make a law. That's exactly how God does it. So when you look at the Ten Commandments, it's a wonderful picture of what God values. God is truly valuable above all else. And if you value that and value people as well, as a result of that, you are going to live a blessed, good, meaningful, full life. Because whatever, he wants you to know what is valuable so that you can love what is valuable so that you can be full, not empty, that you can have a meaningful life, not like um, 1 Corinthians 13 says, you're an empty gong, basically, there's nothing to you. I just think of this old, this old big, um, tin, you know, that, you know, like petrol tin, you know, and you're going bang, and you know, if you if you if it's full, it goes boom. But if it's like a dong, <laughs> I don't think whenever I think of that scripture, that time, I sort of think, <laughs> okay. Um, so here we see, um, God is of ultimate value. And the reason why, and Nigel explained this last, um, last week, the reason why is because I want to tell you, this is across the sphere um, of religion, whatever, whatever you believe, whatever you worship, whatever you love, you will become like that. It's the mirror that you look into. So the reason why... We need to make sure, not not the only reason, the first reason why God is the true value is because he is the true value. (laughs) But if we truly can see God and value him, right, and make him our ultimate God, that is how we're going to see ourselves. And through that value, the way if we value him, we will value ourselves. And that will shape our perspective of everything around us. So it has to start with God, that we value him, that he's above all else, that he's ultimate truth. So like I think Nigel said, like, so if a, a, um, you know, a thought comes in, a worldly system, a thought comes in that is contrary to God, it's like, for us, it's like, is this true or is God true? No, God is true. And so because we say, we have already decided to make God our ultimate truth, then we will see everything like this. We're not going to be topsy-turvy. Oh, well, this is this, and we suddenly believe that that is ultimate truth, and we shift our whole lives. No, we want to be grounded in what is truly true, if you understand what I'm saying. And God's commands show us how to protect what is valuable. And, you know, in art... 
Um, that value system, if you had, um, even if you had colors that, you know, I, I'm saying that you have um, a whole lot of colors, even colors, if you do the, the color wheel, it, if you did it, if you did a copy in um, uh, black and white, you will see that each color has a value system, right? So if you had a painting that didn't have any major um, difference in its value system. So all, even if you used color, but they were all the same value, those colors, right? If you did that, what you would get is you would get a very distorted picture of reality. Um, because in art, the value system gives depth. You know, if you think of shading, if you think of some a sketch that shades, it's darker on the one side, right? It gives depth, it makes it 3D, it makes it realistic, it gives perspective to the picture. Um, it also gives a mood, an atmosphere. It also creates a focal point often, and it also gives the whole picture structure. And so God's value with, with, that we see in the word, how he, what he values, that is true value, it really, those values uphold the picture of our lives. It gives us perspective in life, and it, we can live our lives from what is true and real. It makes it, you know, we, our life is realistic. It's true to what is actually true. We're not living in a, I mean, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who, has lost their mind a bit, um, has some sort of mental thing, and they believe something that is really not true, you know? I mean, I can say, like, you know what? I had suffered um, years back from panic attacks, and, you know, I, I was crawling out my skin. I was so afraid. Was there anything around me that I needed to be afraid of? No, okay? <laughs> and, um, but that's what just... Otherwise, I, I could go along with something like that and say, well, you know, I feel <laughs> like this. And therefore, my life loses perspective. It loses the structure on which it, that, that my life is actually according to what is actually true to. Otherwise, I could go and live a fantasy world. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? That's what God's truth gives to our life. It gives us a structure and it makes us live according to what is truly true. It makes it realistic, okay? Just like a picture with the different art values makes that picture look realistic, not just flat and sort of funny. <laughs> um, and I just want to stop here and say, God, his love, he loves us and values us so much. He loves you and values you so much. I was speaking to someone this week. And, um, and I just, I, I want to just um, speak this because in loving other people, this is an important factor because people are valuable to God. The reason people are valuable to God is one, because they are stamped with his image. Yeah. There's God in each one of us. We are made in his image. And so you are valuable because you're made in his image. Um, not only that, but you're also valuable because Christ has unified himself with you. You have become one with Christ. Um, but let me just say this. I was speaking to this person, and, um, and I was talking about, you know, being okay with our weaknesses. Everyone has strengths and weaknesses, right? And usually our greatest strengths is simultaneously our greatest weaknesses. So, you know, even say like, I need to get rid of this weakness. I mean, you can, you can definitely work on your weaknesses and, and well, not work on them, allow God to work on them. Um, but you're never going to get away. You're never going to be perfect in this world. I mean, hopefully I'm you we get closer and closer. <laughs> and, and, and even my weaknesses, I'm, I'm praying that God makes my weaknesses his strengths. You know what I'm saying? So it's still my weakness, right? But I was speaking to this person and I said, like, you know, I went to the stage where um, I just had some bad situations in my relationship, uh, in one or two relationships. And, um, and it was particularly in, my, in the area of being a pastor where um, people have expectations of who you should be 
um, how you should be as a pastor, you know, and how perfect you should be as a pastor, and and basically, I don't know, but they had this idea that you know I was a hundred percent in all these areas, and um, and I'm not, you know, I, I I can't actually. We had a fairly big church, and I I actually I don't know how they expected me to know every intimate detail of every person in the church, but they did. That was their expectation, especially for themselves. But, you know, I couldn't. And so you, you have all those expectations on you. And so um, when they, um, when, you know, we went through this whole thing of, you know, you didn't do this for me, and I'm very upset with you, and it was a little bit, I, you know, I, I, I felt rejected, of course. Well, I was rejected, right? I was rejected because, you know, I wasn't perfect for them. Um, and so obviously you went through healing and everything, but at some point I got to this place where, you know, um, I was afraid to engage people um, in, a, in a big way because I just thought, like, you know, when are they going to figure out that I'm actually not perfect and then they're going to reject me just like everyone, you know, just like these other people. At some point they're going to figure out, wow, Debbie is not <laughs> coming up to my expectations of what my pastor should be, and then, so I didn't, I didn't want to go there because it was painful beforehand, because I'd given my heart to these people, it was painful beforehand, so I didn't want to go there again. So anyway, I was um, doing um, uh, what a practical, and I won't go into detail, visual journaling, I was journaling with the Lord, um, and it just started just me twiddling and doodling and everything, and, um, and then, without going into the detail, I started just by the Holy, led by the Holy Spirit, doing this um, picture of this uh, this mind. And the end revelation for me was God was saying, Debbie, how much um, tons of dirt do people go through in a diamond mine to get a little diamond? And I looked it up at the time, and it was literally tons of dirt. Like, you know, they would buy this, this, there was a mine, incredibly expensive, because they know their diamonds on there, and then they would mine through tons of dirt just to get one diamond. And the Lord said to me, and gave me this revelation, he said to me, Debbie, you are so valuable. And you know, you've got a lot of junk as well. <laughs> but you know what, you're valuable someone to mine you to get that diamond, to get that value. You are valuable enough. So you, so I just suddenly was like, uh, hey, I'm valuable even with all that dirt. <laughs> and even if right now I can only see, you know, some dirt, <laughs> I'm valuable, <laughs> whatever it is. I'm valuable enough. If somebody rejects me, that's their issue. But I and valuable is not for someone to deal with all my dirt. Thank you, my darling. <laughs> <laughs> to get to the diamonds, you know. <laughs> and I want you to remember that for yourself. That you are, you know, it's, it's because you, you never get into the place where you say, like, you know, I'm valuable because uh, I'm just a big fat diamond. <laughs> People see it. See it. Okay. No. <laughs> you have to see yourself as the diamond mine. <laughs> and as people mine your life, they are going to get diamonds from you because you are valuable. But I also want you to remind you, in the same way, other people are just as valuable and they are worth mining because inside of them, there are diamonds that are going to enrich your life. Even the person, like sometimes it's like really hard to deal with some people, but you know, if you have that idea, right, if you have that idea, like at some point you're going to find a diamond, and that diamond is going to be worth all the slog you went through to get to it. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to try to go through two other things. Love is an action, the Bible says. You know, love causes us to act. In Galatians 5, it says that love energizes our faith. It energizes our action. Okay, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says God's love compels us. Our love for something causes us to act. Um, 
You know, I love chocolate ice cream, so I choose to eat it over strawberry ice cream. That's my action, <laughs> you know. Um, and that's why in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 4 to 8, um, this is what it says the definition of love is. Love is patient. It's an action. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. To be able to do that, you need the revelation, one, that Christ loves you. You need to be firmly rooted and established in his love so you have his love to give to others. You also need to know what God values. That that person, when you're, when you're I mean, I've been, okay, I, will, I homeschool my kids. There were many times, I thought, Jesus, I have run out of patience. You know, it's done. I'm finished. But you know what? Never with you. <laughs> okay, but but love. You see, it's in that moment that I say, like, love. What is love? It's value. You're valuable enough for me to be patient, to find God's patience that's within, because that, He's in me, to find that for you. Amen. God has poured His love into our lives, and we are stewards of that love. And do you know that God's love, like you said, it's like so great. It's like we're in the middle of the ocean, and everywhere we look, you can't escape God's love. But the, God has put it in your hearts to choose how much love you're going to receive from Him. It's your responsibility. How much love are you going to draw on from Him? How much love are you going to allow into? Because to that degree, you're going to be able to love others. It's, it's up to you. But he is ne it never ends. His love for you never ends. He's constantly willing to give you more and more and more and more to give away. Paul, in, I mean, I've been, I've been reading all these scriptures on love, and he constantly prays that your love may increase. Your love is increasing. It's increasing and increasing. I'm not just like, Jesus, increase my love. Because obviously you can pray. It says... And Paul is saying, I pray that God would uh, lead you into all love. And so I'm going to say, Lord, lead me into your love. If it's the greatest thing, we should be praying about this. Lead me into your love. Make it increase more and more. Let me receive your love more and more, etc. Because we are stewards of it. Um, and we resp the responsibility is in our hands to open up to more of his love. I was listening, I was actually listening to this week to two quotes that were very interesting and very similar. The one was by a, a man who has a doctorate in clinical psychology, and he said, the more voluntary responsibility you take on, more voluntary responsibility you take on, the greater meaning your life takes on. It's really interesting because in our world, everyone's about my rights. Nobody wants to take responsibility for anything. Everyone else must take the responsibility. I want my right to do this, but I won't take the responsibility. You know what? That leaves our world empty. Because when you choose to love someone, you choose to take on the responsibility. You choose to take on responsibility to love. And, and to the degree to which you take on that responsibility, it gives you meaning. Now, you know, that guy, that's what that guy said. He, he actually went on to say, think of your children. You voluntarily choose to look after them, care for them, because you love them, right? You voluntarily. And it is a one of the greatest responsibilities, but it gives your life meaning. This is what the Bible said. It said you can do all these great things, but if you don't have love, you know, take on. So wherever, wherever you take on responsibility, whether it be in your workplace, that you take on responsibility to lead, to love people. Because when you lead, the Bible says you serve. That's what true leadership is. You serve and love people for their betterment, whether it's in a workplace, whether it's, whether it's in your community, whether it's in your house, when you take on responsibility voluntarily, your life becomes meaningful. You were made for this. You were made for love. And another 
just um, actually Nigel was speaking to me and this was, um, he quoted a renowned author and journalist <clears throat> and she said, happiness does not come from pursuing happiness. Happiness comes from meaning and meaning comes from connection. Connection. <clears throat> Again, there's the whole thing of loving someone. It comes from, with, how are you going to get connection? Because you value something. You value something. You love something. And then you feel a responsibility in that. Like even a friendship. You value that friendship. You take on the responsibility to say, hi, how are you doing? Shall we go out? You put some time into it. Some with, you know, and different friendships, you, you have different, but that's what gives your life meaning. That's what not only gives your life meaning, but makes you happy. Oh, I just say like, you know, uh, we have, we do a marriage course, and inside of that marriage course, uh, <clears throat> one of the things we often say is like, don't put your happiness in the hands of your spouse. Like, you know what, I'll be happy when my husband does this, this, and this, and this for me. Because then what happens is, if, what happens if they don't do it? I'm not happy. I'm not happy. <laughs> but if I make my happiness, make him then happy, when I do wonderful things for my husband and he's happy, guess what? I'm happy. Always <laughs> <laughs> So then, I've got control of my happiness. I want to say that each one of you, according to what we've just learned today, has control of your happiness. Find what is truly valuable and love that thing and take, you know, take responsibility to love, like the Bible says, because the Bible is constant. But, hello? I mean, you know, this is just so stupid sometimes. You think, like, it's so profound. But the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And love your neighbor and yourself. Hello? God's just told you how to be happy. He's just told you how to be happy. How to be full. Think about that. <clears throat> Loving is not always easy. But it is worth it. And then finally, loving others is loving God. Remember we said God is of ultimate value. People made in his image are therefore valuable. And then the third, I just want to add another dimension to it, is that when we give our lives to God, we become one with Christ. And so that means that in union with him, he partakes of everything. Look, if my husband, my husband had an ear infection this week, you know, I want to say, I mean, obviously he suffered, but I suffered too because I felt so much for him, you know. And, you know, um, and so, like, his burden becomes my burden because he married. If, 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 you know, if financially we're in this together, if, we, if he's got a financial issue, I've got a financial issue, you know. If he's upset, I'm upset. You know, if he's happy, I'm happy. You know, I can't see. I can't see. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, thank you, love me, darling. <laughs> okay, so God partakes of our life because we're in union with Him. Our joys are His joys, our pains are His pains, our needs are His needs. So when we comfort someone else, we're not only comforting them. We're comforting the Lord. And this is true because we can read in Matthew 25, verse 34. Um, Jesus was giving the, um, a parable about uh, a parable, and he said, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did you see us? When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison or go to visit you? 
And the king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Hebrews 6 verse 10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your works and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. When you are loving other people, you are loving God. And I'm going to tell you that's how God sees it. When you do anything for other people, God, it's like you're doing it for God. Especially those in the church, your brothers and sisters in the church. If you do something, it's like you're doing it for God. And that's how God sees it and he says, thank you. You took my pain away. You provided my need. And the Bible says, even if you give a glass of water in the name of the Lord to someone, you will not be without your reward. Hebrews 6 verse 10. So, um, I want to say that love is not dependent on the giver. Um, on, the, on the person you give it to, sorry. Love is not dependent on the person you give it to. Love is not self-centered. So love does not depend, let me rather say, on the recipient. We, you know, that's selfishness. Like, that, 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 it's not love if they go, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm only going to give to you if you give back to me. That's not how God's love works. You know, obviously there is often, if, if you have an agreement, like a marriage, you decide this and this is what I'm going to, but even that, you know, if you've been to any marriage seminar, most often you'll hear, you need to give 100% and your spouse needs to give 100%. It's not 50-50, or it's not going to work, right? It's 100% and 100%. You're, you're, you have made, when you make a scene, you have made the decision to love that person through everything. Through all their dirt Okay, that's what you decided. Okay, that's what you decided, and um, and it shouldn't depend on them. Well, you know what? I'm not going to. I'm not going to do that for you. Because, I mean, what have you done for me? You know, I'm not going to take the rubbish out because you know you didn't wash the dishes. <laughs> that's not how love is supposed to work. Praise God. Peace. He is love, and he loves us because of who he is. If you look at God, it's like because of who he is. Not because of you. It's not like he looked down and said, oh, these guys are behaving so nicely. I'm going to love them. No, it was probably the opposite. These guys need my love. <laughs> they really need my love. So I'm going to end with these scriptures. Titus 3. Four to five. But when the kindness and love of God our, our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy, because of his love, because he is love. Everything he does is not dependent on us. And when we love someone, it's not because they're so amazing, because of what they've done for us, because of what they can do for us. Okay? 1 John 4.10. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. 1 John 4, 19. We love because he first loved us. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you're so good to us. You really are a father that just instructs us in the best for us. And when you said, love me and love one another, that was, be happy. You were just showing us how to be happy. You truly are the way, the truth, and the life. We are so dependent upon you. We come before you, put our trust fully in you, not ourselves. We put our trust in your love for us. The fact that it never changes because it's who you are and it's not dependent on us. We put our faith in that love, in that God who is love. 
that we, Father, can receive your love and then administrate it to everyone around us, that we would truly wake up in the morning with our highest goal is love today. Because God has joy for me in that. God has meaning for me in that. But Father, all of this we are unable to do unless you pour into us. So Father, like your word says, we love because you first love us. Let us be good recipients of your love. Fill us up. Let it increase. Let it overflow and direct us in your love. I just want us to take a moment. Just allow the Lord to speak to you. Maybe just one thing that he's highlighting to you in this, what you've heard, what he's spoken into your heart. And I want you just to respond to that. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's a prayer, just help me, God. Maybe it's whatever it might be. Just respond to his word to you. Maybe it's just thank you, Lord. I'm grateful. But I want to leave you with this exhortation. This week, every morning, wake up and say, my highest goal today is love. That's how I'm going to be the most happy and the most full. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Beautiful Life Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our channel below. If you would like to keep in contact with us, you can sign up for our newsletter by emailing us at info at noordinarylife.co.za or visit our website. If you have any testimonies, please email us. We'd love to hear them. Until next time.